Welcome to Visionaries Global Media, your number one source for podcasting entertainment. Visionaries Global Media, envisioning excellence on a global scale. This is banned from ringside. Hey everybody, uh, happy happy Thursday. Right now it's Thursday at 8.22 p.m. We're starting it off a little differently than usual because uh, less than two hours, or I'd say probably about two hours ago, Zach texted the group and with the absolutely terrible and shocking news that Wyndham Rotunda, a.k.a. Bray Wyatt, a.k.a. the Eater of Worlds, a.k.a. Husky Harris, has passed away suddenly at the age of 36. Um, I didn't feel like doing uh, the real high-energy, a.k.a. segment that I had scheduled for tonight and then going into this, uh, there's no other word for it, it's uh, tragic news. Um, Sean Ross Sapp has reported and said that he got permission to report that uh, Bray Wyatt uh, was diagnosed with some sort of heart condition, which was exacerbated when he contracted COVID uh, earlier this year, and he was on the road to recovery and suffered from a heart attack today and has passed away, like I said, at the age of 36. So you're going to be spending the next... uh, there's going to be many uh, reflections on this. People are going to be doing their tributes. People are going to be talking about it. I thought about kind of – I was thinking about this for a while um, over the last hour or so about how we were going to do this, thinking about maybe not mentioning it at all or, hey, don't worry, we're going to talk about this next week or something because we do have a big week of wrestling to talk about. Of course, Terry Funk, legendary Terry Funk, one of the greatest of all time, if not the greatest of all time, also passed away this week. Uh, he was 79, though quite a bit less tragic um but if anything you know these podcasts can be a snapshot on a time and a place uh it's kind of fun to go back and listen to some of our podcasts uh this one but you know we should talk about it let's so jason uh your instant reaction when you heard that bray wyatt had passed away at 36 uh obviously shocked um always thinking in the back of my mind and especially with uh Cody Rhodes story being told as we speak Bray Wyatt was a name that was mentioned for the next uh opponent for Cody Rhodes next feud whatever you want to call it um for me just thinking about Bray is you know the the what could have been with Bray what should have been with Bray at certain points it always feels like Bray had gotten to a certain point and then for whatever reason, whether it was booking or otherwise, things just seemed to crumble when he came back the second time. I know we all had our reservations because of how the first chapter ended. And I'll just speak for myself on this one. This is the what could have been, you know, him having to come back and, in my opinion, it just wasn't a very successful second run, and it was a lot of questions of where this was going to go, where Bray Wyatt was going to go long-term, and now hearing this, you know, it kind of sets things back into perspective. Um, amazing talent. I mean, just – and I, I guess I'm one of the few that really liked the, the Firefly Funhouse WrestleMania match because it made me think it wasn't – 
something that was, uh, I believe it was the same WrestleMania you had, the AJ Styles uh, Undertaker match where it was the Buried Alive match, okay? Um, yeah, cinematic matches on different nights. Okay, so that one was much more of what people were used to seeing, uh, the Hardy Boys and TNA kind of deal, uh, the total deletion uh, angle. This was just different. It was Bray Wyatt's vision, how he wanted to do a cinematic match, and for me, it hit the mark. For others, it didn't, and I guess that's another thing with Bray Wyatt, very polarizing. I'll, I'll go with that. Either you love the Bray Wyatt uh, gimmick from the first time from the Swamp, uh, the Wyatt family, um, to this current incarnation of Bray Wyatt, or you just didn't. There was very few people that I knew was like, well, Bray Wyatt was kind of like, no, it was either, to me, it was either one side or the other. There was no sitting on the fence with Bray Wyatt. So in that scenario, as a wrestler, that's good because you don't want people on the fence. Either they like you or they hate you, and that's the Vince McMahon, WWE reaction of things. Um, what should have been the Wyatt and uh, the Shield. The Wyatt family and the Shield was a slam dunk uh, trios match that could have just done amazing things for all six people, and they never even touched on that. So it's it's ultimately, it was a shock when I woke up from my nap and I saw it, and I was thinking about what I wanted to say because I pre pretty much figured I got one shot to say it, so I'll just say this. Obviously, it's a shock, and condolences going out to the family. For me, Bray Wyatt will always be a, one of the biggest what-ifs in wrestling history. Not even WWE, in wrestling history. Because he there was chances where he could have transcended and been a bigger superstar. And for like I said, for whatever reason, it never really panned out. So, for me, it's rest in peace, Bray Wyatt. You're in a better place now. Wrestling will miss you. It was a genius that never really fully flourished, in my opinion. Uh, Zach, your thoughts? Yeah, huge bummer. Um, and this one really sucks because, I mean, he was 36. Uh, you know, he's got four kids. And I think that's something that kind of makes this much worse. Because, like you said, um, you know, I was still kind of reeling about Terry Funk and had a lot of time to contemplate Terry Funk's career and appreciate it. And Terry Funk's been old my whole life, right? <laughs> or at least my, my whole awareness of him. Um, he was Bray Wyatt's age. Um, he was actually younger. He was older than Bray Wyatt when I was born. So um, it's just kind of fucked up. He was um, he was Bray Wyatt's age when he had his first retirement match in Japan. I read that today. <laughs> Jesus yeah, Christ. Yeah. I mean, he was 36 or 37, something like that. He was a young man. Yeah, that was like 1983. And, um, yeah, so, um, you know, it, it just hits different. And, you know, it's a lot like Brody Lee. It's very eerie uh, in the sense that they were both kind of, like, different conditions. Although, as Sean Rossap reported, you know, Bray had gotten COVID earlier this year and he, because he had a pre-existing heart problem. And, you know, that caused him to have a heart attack. And uh, that's fucked up, too, because without this pandemic, um, you know, lost so many people. But... Uh, it is um, absolutely crazy. No 36-year-old, especially, like, you know, dude's, like, a professional athlete, like, um, should not just be uh, dying, right? Um, so that, that's the crazy thing. I, still, I haven't even really thought 
about his career, he definitely always uh, was entertaining and he was very polarizing, which uh, some of my favorite people, my some of my favorite entertainers in the world um, across the genre, across different media are very polarizing. So, um, you know, definitely one of the more creative dudes uh, in that, like Jason said, that, uh, that, you know, when you had the empty arena, Firefly Funhouse match, um, that was a lot of fun. And uh, looking forward to going back and reliving some of that stuff. I also, I didn't really see the beginning of his career, so this would kind of afford me an opportunity to go back and uh, and and look at some of that. But yeah, I think the most impactful thing is just like how young he was and um, the, the family that he had. Um, yeah, just feel for his family. I mean, his, his dad... Devin Barry one of his kids, you know, Bo Dallas, like, you know, hearts out to those guys. So, um, it's really it. Yeah, I'll remember Bray Wyatt, uh, the performer, as somebody who took big swings. And, man, like, in a in an art form or in a creative field of any kind, really, you can't really fault a guy for doing that. And you got to have respect for somebody that is as creative as he was. And, you know, not all of it landed for me. That's besides the point. I would rather watch somebody do in something interesting and have it not work than somebody do something boring and, you know, have it just be forgettable. Uh, nothing that Bray Wyatt did, uh, certainly while he was in WWE post-Nexus, was forgettable it was all pretty memorable even if you hated it it was like holy shit well this guy is doing something this guy is on a different plane than everybody else it might not might not be what you want to see but man he is uh he's taking big swings and god bless him for that obviously my heart goes out to his family um you know, friend of the show, uh, Joey O'Farrell had a personal relationship with him. Uh, when Joey worked with WWE for a while, he always talked about how Bray Wyatt, Wyndham Rotunda, was the coolest guy and that he did a lot of work with special needs children and things of that nature. So from just, you know, just from firsthand account with Joey being one of our best friends, I mean, that is quite an endorsement from somebody like Joey. So I, and Joey is not a liar or he does also doesn't blow smoke where smoke doesn't deserve to be blown joey doesn't have anything nice to say about anybody that's right (laughs) that's exactly right uh but he has hey he has always had nothing but nice things to say about bray white so um i'll also say that when bray white came out as kind of when the white family first came they were they were badass him and luke harper and eric rowan uh the whole look you know that fucking hawaiian shirt with the fedora hat vibe you know kind of slobby uh cape fear but also also being like extremely like enigmatic and kind of cult leader-ish follow the buzzards one of my favorite uh catchphrases of that era of wwe uh very cool he also uh had me mark out super hard i'll never forget what he say what he said uh think he was saying it it wasn't John Cena I forget who he said it to to be honest but he said if you look up to me you'll see a friend if you look down to down on me you'll see an enemy if you look me dead in the eye you'll see a god and I get chills just thinking about that line god 
damn, what a badass. Uh, so rest in peace, uh, Bray Wyatt. Like I said, I'm sure there's going to be plenty more to say about him in the weeks to come. There are going to be tributes. You know, he was the way that wrestling is. It's a, you know, it's a small town. Everybody knew him, and it seemed like he was very well liked. So rest in peace, Bray Wyatt. Um, this is Band from Ringside. Tonight on the Band from Ringside podcast, R.I.P. Terry Funk. AEW has a really, really good go-home show. Jim Ross compares Darby Allen to Allen Iverson for some reason. And we have your AEW all-in at Wembley Stadium predictions. That and a whole bunch more tonight on the Band from Ringside podcast. Did you catch the Allen Iverson thing? You see my face, right? <laughs> You didn't catch it? Hell no. Oh, my God. It was tremendous. Ditch that 9 to 5. Okay. It's time to feel alive. Hello, Marks. Welcome to the Band from Ringside Podcast. As always, I am your host, Bill Vagy, a.k.a. Terry, fuck your couch. <laughs> Terry, fuck what you heard. Hold on a second. I got a whole bunch. <laughs> Terry Funky Brewster. Terry Windmill Funk. Terry Funkin' Donuts. Smarty March and the Terry Funky Bunch. Terry Kronk up in this bitch. Terry Godmother Funk. Terry Grand Funk Railroad. Terry Punk Rock. Terry Don't Fake the Funk on a Nasty Dunk. Terry Funk Master Flex. And sitting right across from me, we have Jason Cornelius Bell. What's going on, JCB? Uh, I needed that laugh. That was funny fucking shit. <laughs> yeah, I didn't want to do that and go right into fucking... Yeah. No, no. That was, that's well done. That's why you're the quarterback. That's why you get paid the big bucks. Don't fake the funk on the nasty dunk. That's what what you started that. I was saying it with you. So, yeah, that was that's perfect. Great job across the board. Uh, that's funny shit on that lovely note i'm not even gonna fill a buster i'll ask your congregation to bow their heads as i read from the latest edition of the band from ringside podcast volume 322 chapter 3 verse 14 in the good smart saith hashtag boo the heels it's all good baby listen share subscribe repeat the holy trinity of bfr plenty to talk about plenty to discuss predictions at the end let's do this shit and out there in portland oregon we have two beers zach pullman what's going on two beers bfr west is in the house no, no, I think about it, you know, uh, young black girls now, they have the uh, Little Mermaid that they can look up to. And for me, uh, Bray Wyatt just proved that I can leave my wife looking like I do and get a girl as hot as JoJo. So, um, a, a, a tribute yeah. unlike any others. Everybody else just might as well Absolutely. hang them up. <laughs> I say everybody needs to aspire to something. You're just trying to upgrade the wife. That's Unbelievable! That's Tara can't be anywhere close, right? (laughs) That is that's like when Elton John changed "Candle in the Wind" for Princess Diana. It's like your everybody else's tributes are null and void. (laughs) (laughs) Can't get any better than that. (laughs) Wrap it up. We are coming at you. Joking aside, I don't know how to process information without joking about it. So, but uh, joking aside is yeah, uh, things are uh, uh, kind of a. Kind of a bummer, but we're going to get through the podcast. Yeah, we're going to get through it. There's tons of wrestling to talk about. Um, we are going to celebrate Terry Funk's life. We're coming at you from steamy hot St. Charles, Missouri. It's been 104 degrees here for a long time. It feels like we're on the surface of the fucking sun, 100% humidity. But we're going to sweat it out here. I'm so thankful that uh, I have the podcast. I was telling Aaron tonight, I was like, man, it's nice to have all this uh, wrestling to talk about and being able to uh, 
uh, talk about it for the next two hours with you guys. No <coughs> vice tonight, but he'll be back next week, I'm sure. Without further ado, let's get to that three count. One, two, three. JCB, kick it off. Uh, let's go WWE as the one count. Um, few things I want to kind of throw out to the the general consensus, see what we got on SmackDown. I think the biggest story on SmackDown was obviously the main event where you had Edge That's versus Sheamus. Um, why didn't I put that in the intro? I got you back. Thank you. Um, Edge apparently, well, I shouldn't say apparently, this is his last contracted match in WWE. Now, what the future holds for Edge is TBA. There's obviously rumors with him going to AEW. I thought I saw something today on Twitter where WWE is not going to want to sign Edge back. So something to kind of look ahead towards if he does go to AEW. That might be the reason that WWE doesn't even want Edge back, which is kind of a surprise if that's the case, but neither here nor there. Let's just talk about the physical match itself. I thought this was one of Edge's better matches considering how long he's been off, and I've heard people kind of running down the match because Edge was catching wind or whatever the case may be. I'll just say this. You have a, a six foot two, 260 guy beat on you for about 20 minutes and have to drag him around. See the, um, the airplane scene where... Um, Luau Cinder finally snaps on the white kid when he was like, you know, your my dad says that Bob Lanier, oh, you know, hustles down the court and he's fighting. You know, you have your old man dragging Lanier and walking down for the the court for forty minutes to see how he reacts. It's the same thing right there. Edge is is not even past his prime, but later into his prime, okay? And now you're asking him to work a stiff match with one of the stiffest guys on the roster, and people had the audacity to complain. I just don't get wrestling fans sometimes. I thought this was a really good match. It was a really good way to end the show because it was basically an Edge tribute. Edge won. He went over in his hometown. I don't understand what the fuck the problem is. Some people really just need to get in the ring or just or wait tables or do whatever it is they want to criticize and then come back and have a better perspective on things in life. Edge is a fucking legend. He's going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer when his time comes up for WWE. And the first thing people want to talk about is, oh, he's oh, he's past his prime. He's gassed. Yada, yada, yada. Get the fuck out of here with that bullshit. Hey, so I don't really get on WWE Twitter too much anymore. Was anybody on uh, wrestling Twitter saying anything like Edge should have put over the the young up-and-comer whippersnapper Seamus <laughs> <laughs> should have gone out on his back? Was there any of that talk? No, I, honestly, I didn't see that, and I, I wouldn't expect to see that. I would. This would be one of those times where... Edge needs to go over. You cannot have Edge go take the L in his hometown. No. Toronto would have imploded. Nobody would have got out of there in one piece. Just go ahead. Just be gracious for once. This ain't the Vince WWE. This is a Triple H WWE. You can be petty in certain instances. I'm not saying you can't because I'm, I'm thinking about being petty my damn self. However. Yeah, it was an exhibition match. I mean, Edge should have gone over. I, mean, I agree. Totally. Like the, the Globetrotters don't lose to the Generals. Uh, Zach, what do you think about this match? Very solid match. Um, very solid main event in a show that was built around, you know, the whole thing. Uh, I liked all the promo packages about Edge. I remember Edge's debut, like, I was watching live whenever dude, like, Kate set up in the uh, 
stands and uh, I, I didn't catch this whole rated R thing. I, I had pieced out by then, but uh, I was there for the brood and I wasn't there for his retirement or anything. But uh, regardless, he was definitely uh, a WWE legend. I love the fact that Jason described him as a first ballot Hall of Famer like they actually cast ballots for the <laughs> WWE Hall of Fame. <laughs> like well, you know what I'm talking about. Of a hat. He's already <laughs> in. Yeah. yeah, he's already in. Yeah, it's true. Uh, yeah. But yeah, he. I mean, regardless where he goes, um, you know, remember like he was like kayfabing us saying, you know, he wasn't coming back to the ring before he showed up to the Rumble. So, um, you know, he's not going to He's not going to telegraph this thing. So even if he doesn't show up on WWE TV for a while, who I wouldn't be surprised to see him show up in the Rumble or something. You know what I mean? Like, he's just going to be that guy. Um, but I think what Phil said, as far as putting Sheamus over, yeah, definitely not. If this is the end of his run, this, like, few-year run that he did, I do think that he did not do enough to put young talent over. Um, like, Balor should have won. WrestleMania, um, you know, he could have taken he some did. more L's. Um, Balor won at WrestleMania. Balor did. He didn't feel like he won the whole thing, like the feud or whatever. I feel like he lost way more than he won. Anyway, I could be wrong about that. I just, it felt like the run was like kind of like self congratulatory, which is fine. I mean, he's a legend, but, uh, you know, for the money they're paying him, maybe they could have. He did do the Judgment Day thing, but he peaced out. He wasn't the reason the Judgment Day got successful, so. Yeah, uh, no, he's not the reason Judgment Day got successful, but to me, I like when Damian Priest showed when when Damian Priest helped him at that one WrestleMania. I was like, oh, this is a big deal for Damian Priest. Um, I get what you're saying. I, that's it's arguable one way or the other. Um, I think that he was kind of hamstrung because he made that big return at the Royal Rumble. Now, if I'm not mistaken, the world shut down three months later. So it's like he got his pop when he came back at the Royal Rumble, and then he was a big deal. And then uh, crowds went away, and then he got – then he main event at WrestleMania um, with Roman Reigns and got stacked up with Daniel Bryan. Roman Reigns stacked them on top, each, top of each other and pinned them both – uh, which I, I remember liking that quite a bit when it happened. I was like, ooh, that's pretty badass. Um, you know, I'm not the biggest Edge fan. I am a huge Edge and Christian fan. I love Edge as the funny heel as opposed to the earnest baby face. Um, I put on Friends of BFR on Facebook uh, on Friday night, I was like, you know, because Edge came out and he hugged Beth Phoenix and he hugged his kid and he stood up on the ropes and he was getting his ovation and he was just kind of looking around the crowd like he was all taking it in for his last time and he was just really, like, savoring the moment. And I, I put on Friends of BFR, you know, not to be a downer, you know, a naysayer, but it's like, man, that would have carried a lot more water with me if he didn't do that every fucking time he comes out to the fucking ring. <laughs> It's like he always looks. Right. He it's does just, do that. Yeah. It's just it's one of the, it's just annoys me so bad. It just strikes me as so 
insincere. It's very uh, Cena-like to me when Cena talks about how much he loves the fans and shit like that. You know, it might be true. He might be just living in the moment that much, you know, like me on shrooms at a ween show or something. Mm. But um, that's not I, – I just have a hard time believing it. That being said, what is interesting to me is what he does next because he has not been – and I, I think it was Zach that said something about WWE has basically said that they're they don't plan on resigning him again. Um, is he going to AEW, Jason? In your opinion? And if he goes to AEW, how big of a deal is that? Um. I wouldn't care if he went as long as it's not in a a wrestling. He's not a full-time wrestler. He's, you know, him and Christian reconnect in that scenario, and they create havoc. Now, if you want to do that, fair enough. AEW's roster is loaded. They don't need Edge to wrestle shit. Um, I, I forgot what the, the second question. I apologize. If he does go to AEW, how big of a deal is it? Um, it's a deal because it's it's Edge, but I don't think it's like it, it's not a big deal. Like when Adam Cole, baby, Brian Danielson went over guys along these lines. It's a deal. It's not like it's moving the needle. Zach, same question. I tell you what, he shows up immediately. Pairs with Christian, then. Guess what music hit? Oh my God, it's the Dudleys. We have Hardy's, Edge and Christian, Dudleys, TLC, number 34, in Wembley Stadium next year. They would I'm die. I'm joking. They would die. Yeah, yeah. No, somebody no, 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 is, I'm yeah. totally joking. Somebody is uh, going but, to just wreck their neck. I got I'd 50 fucking, on Jeff. I would love the fuck out of that. <laughs> I would really love it. I got 50 bucks as Jeff comes out different. No, I just um, – I I think he would uh, be handled well. Like, Christian's doing amazing work. Sting is doing amazing work. If he's in that kind of role, that's awesome. Like, I don't want him back in, like, the world title picture. But if he comes and he does, like – he goes out there and it seems like he's having the time of his life and he's doing creative stuff, that's, that's cool with me. I mean – I'll tell you what. Um, I I got I to gotta disagree – with both of you, pretty much. I think that if he went to AEW, it would be a bigger deal for AEW than Adam Cole or Brian Danielson because I think that Edge is the type of quote-unquote superstar that would actually bring superstar that would actually bring some eyes that might be reluctant to go to AEW. It would make those. It would make a lot of WWE not necessarily the people that are on the internet all day every day. But the people that, you know, work jobs and don't necessarily make wrestling part of their entire identity and don't look up stuff on the Internet all the time, they might see Edge. Oh, Edge is over there. I might want to watch Edge. It, it, it would, it's, to me, it's like Jericho going over there. I mean, I think that Edge, no way. Edge is... No way. It's not like Jericho going over there at the very beginning, but it is the type of star that Jericho was. It is a huge WWE star. Edge is a huge star. Bigger star than Brian Danielson ever was over there, except for that one run to WrestleMania. In my opinion, I could be completely well, Andy's wrong. Only WWE. Like, I don't know what kind of impact he had on Indies if he had any. But I mean, I was probably ten years old whenever Edge came to WWE, and he's only ever been there, right? 
he didn't go to like he retired there, so he's only ever been there. Had one of the greatest monikers ever when he first started in WWE. You remember what it was? Sexton Hardcastle. Oh, <laughs> nice. I do remember that. That's fucking Sexton yeah. Hardcastle. I do remember that. That, that was, is that's tremendous. Uh, I hope he goes to AEW. I, I, I'm rooting for it. I, look, if, if he does, great. But I, I don't think it. I think you're overplaying the edge popularity card. I might, I might be. If if casual AEW fans haven't tuned in at this point, I don't see Edge being the tipping block where it's like, oh, shit, now I got to start watching. There's been plenty of guys that have been in WWE that have been in the Edge era, you know, whether it's Rated R Superstar, Judgment Day, whatever the case may be. If you haven't followed them over to AEW and at least started watching at that point, I would be a little surprised that Edge is going to be the guy that's like, now, oh, shit. Randy Orton, okay, maybe that would make you mean, a, a needle move a little more if Orton decided he wanted to I jump. Think, I think that Edge is not not as big as Randy Orton in, in the in the realm in which we're speaking, uh, but I do think that he's close. I mean, Edge is primary two rivals. If you named his two biggest rivals. Cena and Orton. Cena and Orton. Those are pretty big fucking names. Agreed. Um, so I, I don't know. It's it's interesting. I I kind of just want to see it. I mean, there is so much fucking wrestling to fill now, and they have. It's it's whether he wants to do it or not. He doesn't have to do it. He can he can ride off into the sunset right now and be okay. Yeah, but you know he really he just loves that crowd so much. He think he's done. I mean, he's, he needs to come out another forty or fifty times and just really savor it. You know what I mean? <laughs> Wait, shit. He's really good. He's really good. Get it all. Just shit. take it all in. You know what I mean? I don't think he's done. I just I don't think it it, it moves the needle like you think it does. Fair okay. enough. Fair enough. Uh, that was a nice. Uh, that was a civil. Disagreement. Uh, it won't uh, happen again. Let's ramp it up. What else, <laughs> Let's go back to the top of the show. Grayson Waller effect. His sh- uh, his uh, guest this week was Santos Escobar and Rey Mysterio. So, obviously, Rey Mysterio winning the U.S. title off of Austin Theory was a little bit of discussion last week. Uh, Grayson Waller definitely made sure to stir the pot between Santos and Rey Mysterio. Santos not biting that apple just yet. I still think ultimately Santos turns on Rey Mysterio. If that's the case, then Rey Mysterio is just having a, a rough time of things where he's got his son turning on him and now his brother in the LWO turned on him. Uh, we'll see what happens there. Uh, Austin Theory uh, defeats um, L.A. Knight in, a, I, I would just call it a, um, the winner was going to face uh, Rey Mysterio uh, next up for the U.S. Championship. Some fuckery came around. Austin Theory wins that match, so he and Rey Mysterio will wrestle again for the U.S. title. I'm not sure why they just didn't invoke the rematch cause, but hey, what the fuck do I know? Um, Bianca and Charlotte team again. They defeat EO and Bailey. Bailey taking the pin is fine. I just don't get why we have Bianca and Charlotte together. It's very mismatches on that. And then I'll leave it here where you guys can discuss from this point on. We had the first in-ring uh, heel match of the Street Profits. They beat down the OC, give us a new finisher. Bobby Lashley comes out and 
celebrates with the profits post-match. Um, I said it last week, and I'm, I'm going to reiterate it this week on the profits, and I'll let you guys take it from whatever you guys want to discuss. As the bloodline storyline and the bloodline as a faction is going south, we're slowly seeing, I'll call them Hurt Business 2.0, making an ascension to a, a it's, it's a mid-card story now, but ultimately I think it would go to the top of the card once Roman Reigns goes away. Bobby Lashley seems like he's poised as the the next guy of SmackDown or one of the next guys of SmackDown. I like how they're slow playing both as, you know, you were seeing one faction on the rise as the other faction goes down. Go ahead, Three Bear. Yeah, uh, I mean, Bobby Lashley came out. He was looking good in that suit. And then he started hugging those dudes and just had a match. I'm like, you're going to mess up that suit. Those dudes are so sweaty. What are you doing? Yeah, it's a uh, high five, man. You ain't, you're supposed to be hugging him. Yeah. <laughs> You, a bump yeah, I was getting ready to say, you know, what's up, player? It's, it's COVID time, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, he was looking good. Like, I'm not into that whole, like, tuck and bowl situation. But, I mean, if Terrell was into it, like, uh, I don't know, Bobby Lashley would be the guy. You ain't um, shit. looking good. <laughs> anyway, I'm trying to... Anyway, now I'm into that fact, and that's cool. Um, like, I don't know if they're... I don't know. I don't want people to, like, call them, like, the Hurt Business, because I feel like any time, just, like, there's just three black dudes standing near each other in WWE, or it's like, is this the new Hurt Business? Uh, so, I just, they can be something else, right? Um, no doubt. But uh, Street Profits as as heels, uh, that's that's great. You know, it gives uh, them new dynamics in their character, and I like the new finisher. That was fun. Uh, they're great wrestlers, so um, I'm into it. Uh, and then... Um, yeah, I'm kind of like, I'm glad, I'm happy for EO, but like, I'd rather just have EO have a feud with somebody. It doesn't seem like she's the star of the situation. Uh, it doesn't seem like she's the focal point, even though she's the champion. And I hate that. Um, it's just like, uh, too many cooks in that situation. So just give her a feud, let her beat somebody clean. And, um, also, uh, like you said, with the the rematch thing on the U.S. side, like, like I don't know why we didn't just book a rematch close. It's because we had to beat L.A. Knight again because that's how you get people over. You got to you, you pin them, right? That's how that works. Uh, <laughs> that's how that's what they think. So um, I couldn't believe it. He lost, um, but uh, it makes sense because they don't want to have L.A. Knight face Raid, um, but just don't make the match even. Just like you said, just have them do a rematch and that's fine um yeah it just doesn't seem like you should be beating la night right now um but it is what it is um speaking of damage control they jump bianca backstage so that might be the few that you might be hoping for bianca versus eo feels like it's next up we talked about the profits um paul Heyman saying that jimmy would be back next week and then obviously we had sheamus and edge uh closing the show jumping over to raw um we had the return of KO, so KO and Sammy return. Uh, I believe this was in Quebec, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so that was cool to Quebec City. Um, cool to see Sammy KO speaking French to the Quebec crowd. Um, 
Quebec was on one <laughs> Monday night. They was they was on some shit. They made uh made that shit fun. They uh Cammy and Sao Cammy and Ko beat down Judgment Day to set up a tag team match later on. But Judgment Day needs to figure out who their tag team partners are. We'll jump to that in a second. Uh, more as far as I'm concerned. Uh, seeds of a possible heel turn for Drew McIntyre as, as he and Riddle lose to the New Day. Um, Drew wasn't necessarily down to be with it, be with Riddle to begin with, and now they've taken the L backstage later on. New Day says that they want to run this back at some later point, but they have business with the Viking Raiders who came out and beat them down, yada, yada, yada. All this leads to me to think that Drew McIntyre at some point is going to be tagging with Riddle and either just leave him in the wind or beat him down post-match, neither here nor there. Ultimately, like I said, I think this is Drew McIntyre with a slow heel turn. Um, go ahead. I'm sorry. Um, I was just going to say as a as a as an overall thought, I, I kind of was outside when you guys – or I was inside when you guys were talking about uh, the end of SmackDown. But just in general – if you look at the way that they're telling that McIntyre story, if you look at the way that they're doing the new Street Profits, if you look at the way that they are doing Gable and Gunther, maybe, I don't know if you can uh, attribute this to Triple H being in charge or they've learned lessons from how well the Bloodline thing has gone, but they are taking their time telling these stories. They are actually telling stories on mid-card shit that doesn't have anything to do with belts in terms of McIntyre and Riddle, basically, and the Street Profits, <clears throat> and the Gunther Gable thing has been really fun. Um, I was a big fan of... Uh, I'm, I'm a fan of what they're doing with McIntyre, and I'm looking forward to how he what happens when he eventually flips, because it looks like the check's in the mail. Uh, Zach, what did you think? Sorry, my kids were asking me for cookies. Um, it was like such a... I know I fed them, but then they're like, "Can we get these cookies?" And they they were holding up this box of cookies that Tara bought. I was like, "I don't want that smoke." I was like, "You gotta wait till she gets home and ask her about that, <laughs> that situation." Pro shit. <laughs> it's pro shit. <laughs> I, like, yeah, I missed. Uh, I missed what you were talking about. I was just uh, commending WWE overall about how uh, patiently they're telling stories, even mid-card stories. Uh, I, I, I'm just no, uh, yeah, appre- appreciation. I'm, I, I agree. I've been uh, enjoying. I watch like SmackDown and Raw like every week uh, now, and I'm enjoying them the shows. I think I enjoy the Raw show because it is the hour and a half Hulu version that helps speed things up. Um, with the Drew Hill turn. I do want them to not linger on that too long, though. I feel like that should be like a three-week thing. Like, he goes out there with Riddle for a few weeks, and then I feel like, you know, by payback or backlash or whatever, backstab, Jack, Patty Wax, give a dog a bone, whatever it's called, uh, they should be turned. Jason, what's next? Uh, Gunther Gable. Uh, yeah, Shayna had a, uh, a little vignette or whatever, but Gunther Gable was next. I was kind of surprised that they made this um, match on Raw, but they they made up for it a little bit in a way that kind of makes sense. Chad Gable wins by countout, so he gets the dub, 
Uh, first loss for Gunther since coming back to or coming to the main roster. I think they said it was like a year and a half. I was like, God damn. It's, but quietly, Gunther along has been doing his business. We just more been more focused about this intercontinental run, at least I have, versus the overall run of Gunther since he's come to the main roster, neither here nor there. I thought this is a really smart way to get this match since you gave it on, gave it to us on Raw, which was a really good match, now you made it a smart way to now Chad Gable can get the rematch. It'll be on payback, I would assume, the rematch there. And then that's where I would assume Gunther beats Chad Gable to break the record of the Honky Tonk Man at some later point, uh, I believe, after the fact. But I, th- I thought this match was good. And like I said, this was a smart way to get the mission accomplished, especially if you're going to do that match on Raw versus waiting for they, payback. They can still play up the fact that Gunther's never been pinned or submitted on the main roster. Uh, it gives Gable a nice little bump. This guarantees that Gable is not going to win the B for next year for more, for most underused wrestler in the business. That means you're just going to have to the Chad Ga- That's the Chad Gable You're going to have to do a little work this year to find somebody. I'm going to have to think of something before the podcast. Okay, just do a little bit of research. Hey, guess what? you got a few weeks to figure that out. We're, we're a ways away from Zach, the beefers. what did you think about Gable beating Gunther? I was surprised that they did it that way. Um, I thought it was definitely fun, something, something different. Um, you know, he did. I thought, in one sense, it seems uh, kayfabe silly to have the guy celebrate not winning the title. But then if you think about it, Gunther is such a dominant champion that even just getting a win is a win. And um, so. And Gable's uh, also kind of nerdy. Yes. Yeah. And he, I mean, they had a good match, which makes sense. Like you see that pairing and you're like, oh yeah, you're just rubbing your hands together. And uh, that's a fun match for, TV and you know that's something you know giving them a little time again that's like a Triple H thing right that that pairing of that match and you know giving them a little time so Gunther also works best with guys about that size so very cool pairing and I'm looking back looking forward to the payback uh, match um one of the highlights of Raw and uh, WWE programming this week, I thought, was the Shinsuke Nakamura vignette. Um, this is the Shinsuke Nakamura I wish we'd have seen when he won the Rumble, seven when he flipped years. heel. He's been in at WWE for seven years. Especially when he flipped heel the first time, and instead of having a, a dick kickoff between AJ Styles, this was I wish the Nakamura I would have seen to really – get me invested in that heel run. You know, they, they changed the music, but the the antics essentially were still the same. I wasn't really high on Shinsuke Seth until I saw this vignette. And now, even though I still think Seth is going to win this, ultimately, I'm much more invested in this bad boy now. And at least gives Nakamura character, depth to his heel run, and it gives it shows Seth has vulnerability and just you know acknowledge that vulnerability. So now you have a champion that is a a broken champion. I love the fact that you know Seth has admitted the vulnerability, and Shinsuke feels like he might take advantage of said vulnerability. Watch your back. I thought was an amazing way to ca- the cap off the vignette. It was very well done. 
subtitles, I don't understand that shit. I mean, goddamn, we can all read Vince. I mean, fuck. You know, let that man, man speak his fucking language. He stole it from me. You know, that, I thought it's that was so simple. Yeah, just, just let that subtitles. man speak. Yeah, I know. I, I was, I'm reading this shit. And I'm just, I wouldn't even look at this shit. Okay, yeah. I'm reading what the fuck was being said. You're not looking and at I was your like, phone. Okay, okay, you know, because you gotta read it. Yeah, Zach, what you it was think perfect. About Shinsuke vignette. Oh yeah, it was really well done. It was probably the best thing on the whole show. Yeah, it fucking ruled. Uh, Rhea basically squashes uh, Candice LeRae, but Raquel Rodriguez comes out. Now healthy, she beats down Rhea on Monday and then comes in on Tuesday for Heat Wave. They fight again, so Rhea, Raquel, basically is set up for payback. Uh, if it's not official, like Adam Pierce says, it probably will be next week. Uh, Champa with a, a fairly interesting vignette. Oh, not vignette, but can a I, promo. Go ahead. Can I say something about the uh, Raquel Rodriguez of it all? Um, it is... I wish it was Candice LeRae versus Rhea Ripley instead. Uh, I Raquel Rodriguez really doesn't do it for me as a heel or a baby face. I don't think she's got it. What do you think, Zach? Yeah, I agree. Um, this is just a little bit of a bump in the road for Rhea. And, like, I know that she seems more formidable because she's more like Rhea's size, but uh, they ha- have, she hasn't been presented as much of a single competitor um it just doesn't it just seems like and not that Kayla Saray has either and also but Kayla Saray I know is a really good wrestler so uh that actually makes me more interested in the match yeah I'm not interested in this feud uh so Ciampa has his vignette um short but uh, close but no cigar I guess is the uh the story for this uh promo or vignette, whatever you want to call it. Um, they gave him a vignette, though. They gave him a vignette. Um, Do-it-yourself was one of the things that I caught from Ciampa, so it made me think I haven't seen Johnny Gargano. Maybe they pair back up, do a tag team Ooh. run. Um, oh, I like that. I don't know why I haven't thought of that. It was the first. When, once he said do it, that makes so much he was sense. like, maybe I got to do it, but do it yourself. I would love to And I was like, Ruth? DIY versus KO and Sammy for the belts. Now we're talking. You said it. I was thinking Woo! it. Um, <laughs> Miz comes out to face someone that he claims that is a better, bigger threat than LA Knight ever has. Akira Tozawa comes out. LA Knight comes out on commentary. And obviously, you know how this one ends. Tozawa beats Miz. God bless Miz. He puts everybody over. He once his time comes to the Hall of Fame, it's, he better just get in on principle alone. God damn it! Becky and Trish uh, sets up a a match the week before. Uh, Zoe Stark and Becky, I believe it's no hold, not a holds barred, but a falls count anywhere. You see how invested I am in this. I'm so ready to get this one over with. I'll I'll let you guys speak on that. Uh, Piper and uh, Candice is the next segment from that point, but neither here nor there. Um, sorry, what were you asking me about? Uh, Becky and Trish. Oh man, this was a bad segment. Ooh, buddy, Trish Stratus looked shook. She Quebec came out- is on that ass. <laughs> yeah, they really were. She looked shook. What'd you think about it, Zach? Yeah, not good. I'm just ready for this to end. It seems like it's been going forever, and I don't give a shit about it at all. Mind your own business, Dad. 
Mm. <laughs> well played. No, <laughs> oh, that was like, what the fuck was that? Hey, man, that was Roadhouse. What that's, the fuck? That's a new drop. <laughs> okay. Harry Funk. <laughs> Mind your business, Dad. Yeah, you caught, you sucking punched to a motherfucker on that shit. Okay. Yeah, they ain't tell the motherfucker. I, huh? I, forgot, I forgot I had the drop. So I say, hey, tell the motherfucker, you ignorant ass. I've been bastard. waiting to use it for like five minutes. That's funny shit. Um, I didn't. I meant to say um, Chelsea and Piper instead of Candice. Uh, they have a match, tag team match versus uh, Katana Chance and Caden Carter. Uh, basically squash match retaining for the champs. Uh, Seth has his promo basically admitting the fact that he is broken, um, but he's ready to meet Nakamura next week to see what other mind games he has. We'll talk about that. And then we had a, a two-on-one match to finish the show um Rhea picks ooh, excuse me Finn and Damian Priest to represent the Judgment Day um they face KO and Sammy um if I'm not mistaken KO hits um one of the Judgment Day's members with the briefcase all chaos breaks loose you know now at this point you have Dom in the ring Cody comes in and then at the end Adam Pierce makes this a six-man tag to where now the baby faces win the six-man tag where you have more Judgment Day dissension leading into the loss. So, essentially, you had two different uh, WWE shows. To me, SmackDown was more so along the lines of still Bloodline, but Edge was the biggest point of reference for SmackDown, and Monday night was Judgment Day littered from top to bottom. Zach, any thoughts on the last few segments? Yeah, I thought it was weird that they, you know, just did like the immediate DQ and then had Cody come down. I feel like maybe just advertising Cody Rhodes in the main event would be a smarter move. Well, the um, story they were but, telling the entire show was who are the two guys that are going to be in the Judgment Day, and it just ended up being exactly what you thought it was going to be. And then they just all ended up in the match. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I mean, because uh, I, I thought we didn't need... That didn't have to be the dissension, right? They could have come up with some other thing for them to argue about if they wanted to. Again, they don't have to argue every weekend or every week, right? You know? Right. Um, so, yeah. But otherwise, like, it was, it was whatever. Pretty good two episodes of television. I didn't feel like yeah, my, yeah. my uh, five hours were wasted. I uh, thought NXT was solid, too. So, yeah, it was... Uh, Good week for uh, WWE all around. Uh, let's get to that. Two counts. One, two, three. Oh, I should have used it when it was like when <laughs> the kids were like eating the cookies and Zach was like, I don't want that smoke. And they'd be like, mind your own business, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> That's when I should have used it. <laughs> Two beer. What's that a two count? Perfect. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, that been the hour you. I wasn't thinking about it. No, that's fine. Uh, two count. Uh, we can talk about AE Dub. Uh, there's kind of uh, we're going to be talking about it more later. So maybe we'll do a little bit more of an abbreviated um, bit. But I do want to bring up the curtain jerker on Rampage: Ray Phoenix versus Commander. If you have not seen that match, uh, go out of your way to see it. It was exactly what you would think it was. It was awesome. Um, just two dudes just put it out there, flipping and flying, and um, you know gave 
Phoenix an opportunity to go over, which he doesn't normally. Normally, Phoenix loses these matches. Uh, but Commander was in the Phoenix spot. Did you guys see this? I did so you see this, and you are correct. It was exactly what you – if you know of both guys, then you could just imagine, if you haven't seen the match, what it was all about. But, yeah, I saw it. It was – it was great. <laughs> but I like Phoenix's style. If you don't like Phoenix's style, then you just don't even bother to watch. Man, Ray Phoenix is one of the funnest wrestlers in the world. I agree. And he wrestles on television all the fucking time. And we don't deserve him. He is that <laughs> cool. Uh, that's how much I like watching Ray Phoenix uh, matches. Every time I – when I watch him and I really pay attention, I'm always like, man, he's one of my favorite out there. Like, seriously, one of my top five favorite wrestlers in the world right now. Um, but, yeah, I watched the match. The match was very fucking good. Loved it. Yeah, if I had that AEW video game, I feel like, especially if I was a kid, I'd be playing Ray Phoenix every time. Like, I'd be maining Ray Phoenix. Yeah, uh, for sure. Yeah, then we had a collision episode that was uh, kind of like last week in the sense that it was mostly squash matches with a good main event. But uh, it opened up. Uh, this, this is really funny to me. Open up Samoa Joe versus the Golden Vampire, which never started because it actually turns out to the Golden Vampire CM Punk. And uh, he um, beats down Joe beforehand, gives him a terrible looking go to sleep. Um, but in kayfabe, I just think it's funny. Like, like, all right, Joe, we got a we got a photo for you. Uh, you know, King of Television. Hey, we got a photo for you. Uh, it's the Golden Vampire. He's just like, okay. <laughs> not a fan of this i'm sorry um, call me what you wanted and it's not because i don't like punk it was you know just you see it coming right i was like what the fuck is this dude no this is punk and it's immediately when he read did the running knee in the corner i'm like son of a bitch Man, I'll yeah. tell you what, Punk in that costume made you realize that there are not dudes his size in costumes like that anymore. He looked massive. <laughs> he looked like when he was, I was like, I didn't realize that it was going to be, at first I thought it was gold dust. I was like in the other room, I was like, what the fuck is going on in there? And I was like, oh, that's a really big guy. And like, I thought it was like fucking uh, Lars Sullivan or some shit. <laughs> <laughs> I think yeah, that's You just- pulled that one out your ass. <laughs> He looked huge, but I mean, really, you just see guys in outfits like that, like luchadors and shit. They're they're just little guys. I don't know. I like this segment. I thought it was fucking cool. I think the Golden Vampire is a perfectly funny name. Uh, it's not stupid funny. It's actually funny, and I didn't mind the angle at all. Right on. Uh, what happened? And you know, more set up towards the all in. Uh, then we had my favorite thing on the show, which is Jay White versus Dalton Castle. Uh, this was awesome. Uh, what perfect opponents for each other. Because uh, they couldn't be more different, but they're both so great at pro wrestling. Um, I really love this. Uh, of course, Jay White won, as he should. Uh, but this kind of, like, segued into Bullet Club Gold uh, calling out, uh, you know, the, uh, the elite and saying they wanted a warm-up match. And we ended up getting couple dudes, so we had Juice Robinson and the Guns, and this was like um, the repackage, what, what do they used to be called? Uh, Bear, country. Bear Country. Yeah, so we have, <laughs> these are just, Bear Country's a better these. name. 
Yeah, I'm not a fan of the Iron yeah, Savages. Fair <laughs> Country is better, better than Iron Savages, but uh, the names Bronson, Boulder, and Jack Jameson, those are real good. <laughs> I forgot that dude's name is Jacked. It's, yeah, it's not Jack, it's Jack. <laughs> That's really funny. <laughs> I love it. Uh, so, yeah, then... Uh, I'm getting yeah, an Iron Savages really shirt fun. now. I really like that. <laughs> But I feel like even, you know, it got them some TV time, but at the same time, like, I don't want uh, Bear Country or, you know, Jack James, and I don't want them out here losing to the guns. Uh, I want them out there, like, throwing dudes around and shit. Like, have them have a squash match against some other nerds. Right. Uh, but I want you guys to call me Boulder Veggie from that one. I'm, I dude, like I'm that. down. <laughs> no, I'm down. I just call I me Boulder Veggie. I, I flat out refuse. <laughs> <laughs> I'm putting my foot down. I will not do that. <laughs> well, it's good because you don't even have to change like your monogram towels or anything. That's right. <laughs> yeah. My first name's still William. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh yes, William. <laughs> Call you Wolder. Anyway. And now we're talking. Um, so, uh, what else do we have going on here? Um, Ricky Starks. Uh, this is like one of my favorite ways of like backtracking. So, basically, I'm assuming that they want him to wrestle at All Out, um, but they realized that they couldn't do that if his suspension was for 30 days. So, rather, it was four weeks. So, he's like, yeah, Tony Schiavone, you were out here spreading misinformation because you're an idiot. And I was like, oh, man, like, what a way, like, to, like, kayfabe, like, uh, adjust the suspension. Uh, so that was uh, that was pretty funny to me. Uh, but then uh, he went out with uh, Big Bill, had a, had a squash match against uh, Derek Neal, who <laughs> Kevin Kelly was like, Derek Neal won championships all over the country, and I was like, I don't know if he has. <laughs> I should have cage matched that shit. I was about to say, you said that. I'm like, what? I want to go yeah. ahead and get, get you slide on this, Kevin Kelly, because I don't know about this. But yeah, go ahead. Um, but uh, Sting and Darby Allen apparently went to AR Fox's wrestling school, and um, like, <laughs> it's insane to me. There's like forty people. In a, in a wrestling ring in a garage it's like a small indie promotion and fucking Sting is there <laughs> and apparently uh, this is something that I saw online apparently at the wrestling school Sting got booed because <laughs> 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 it was AR Fox's wrestling promotion he said he's so over there they booed Sting when he beat him up that's great that's what I'm talking about um, keep it kayfabe alive <laughs> Can you imagine just like being at like South Broadway Athletic Club and like Sting comes out for an angle? <laughs> <laughs> and he gets booed. Hey, what the fuck, dude? dude hold up. <laughs> dude, I'd boo him. I know you would. You see Brandon Cutler with a video camera and you're like, what the fuck's going to happen? Sting. What Sting was he? Nah, he was just uh, the current Sting. He wasn't Surfer Sting or Joker Sting or. Uh, yeah. Like, does he do like a Bugs Bunny too or anything? <laughs> God damn, dude, <laughs> that's horrible. Um, and uh, Willow Nightingale beat Diamante. Uh, really, the main reason uh, I'm talking about this is uh, it was one of the better pounces I've ever seen. <laughs> and uh, 
Willow Nightingale, like Diamante, like jumped up and flipped upside down into the guardrail. It was pretty awesome. Yeah, she smoked that poor girl. Yeah, uh, but um, yeah, and then we had. Uh, so here's the thing: I thought FTR was going to be on the show because they're like, "We're going to hear from FTR," and I was like, "Oh shit!" I was like, uh, you know, worried about the whole Wembley thing because Cash Wheeler's out there pointing guns at people, road raging on the highway. And uh, oh shit, I was like, gonna be like Cash Wheeler addresses his enemies or something or whatever. Like, so he's not gonna be at Wembley, but just a video package. Um, I really like uh, Tony Storm's uh, old Hollywood look she's got going on. It seems like since she lost the title, she's having like an identity crisis and a nervous breakdown. But like, she now she's just like um, embracing like this cabaret um, vaudeville. Situation. I, I like it a lot. Um, I'm not gonna lie. I'd like to speak to all the road ragers out there um, because I myself have been known to dabble in the road rage, and I just want to remind you all that before you pull that gun out because you're pissed off at somebody for cutting in front of you or cutting you off or something, just remember that nobody looks stupider. Nobody looks more stupid than somebody in the middle of road rage. Nobody. You're just you're just in your car screaming like a mad like a mad person. Don't do it. Take some deep breaths. Listen to some Pantera. Let it slide. <laughs> I refuse to. I'm about to say Pantera. Uh, I don't know is the is the one you should be listening it'll to. Help, but yeah, it'll get it out for you. Talking about being What's cathartic. I guess it could be yeah. seen as like a pump up song. Like, I'm going to fuck this dude up. Yeah, that's what I'm kind of thinking. You might want to go ahead and maybe shelve that one for a I little bit. I feel a conquering wheel down inside me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Honey, he's getting out of the car. What? I think Pantera is actually the official soundtrack of Road Rage, really. Um, so, uh, we had uh, Miro cut a promo on the video screen on Hobbs after his squash match, uh, and again, the only reason I'm mentioning this is because Miro said uh, that he would piss on Hobbs' cold, dead body. <laughs> like, <laughs> he's just fucking aggressive. Oh, God. Um, uh, Miro's so, atheist gimmick is working for me. I just want to see more Miro. That's all. Ultimately, I don't care how you do it. I love a wrestler walking around saying, I serve no gods. I love that shit. That's pretty good. Is he a divorced atheist? I know he's not actually divorced, but he seems like he's like I used to have he's, a book. I used to have a wife. Um, yeah, he say he doesn't answer her anymore. Like he has said that mid promo. <laughs> he fucking rules. Okay. Yeah, he talks about his wife like every promo. We've never seen her. Like uh, we all know who she is. But right. We've never seen her. Nope. Um, then we had an awesome main event. Uh, we had Darby Allen uh, beat Christian Cage. Uh, this thing was nuts. Um, I mean, Darby Allen's an insane person. He did this coffin splash, like that coffin drop the onto rope. the apron was rough looking. It was. I, I, I left out of the chair. That. I was just like, oh, <laughs> yeah. I didn't do a I walk. Didn't even I had to walk a lap. I didn't even pop. I was just concerned. No, I had to walk a lap for him, man. I was like, ah, oh, that looks brutal, dude. This looks is absolutely, early. Absolutely brutal. Yeah. Um, but uh, he got the pin, uh, and then they got the heat right back on Christian because he started, they had Luke Storrs come in and start beating the shit out of him. Um, 
and uh, you know, do the choke slam and everything, and had Tony Schiavone count the three, um, and so Luchasaurus does this thing where he puts Christian Cage on his shoulders, and Christian holds the belt up, and I gotta think that eventually, one of these times, Luchasaurus is just gonna backdrop him for the babyface turn. Yeah, I mean, I wish they maybe I guess he's been a heel for a while. It really feels like they flip him all the time. He's the big show of AEW, right? Luchasaurus? Yeah, I was just getting ready to say started his baby face, this is his heel run. I mean, you could flip him back if you want to. Ultimately you could see just or just by the tone of where I'm going with this, I could care less what you did with Luchasaurus, he's mid-card, and that's fine. You need guys in those spots, but a babyface turn would not make me look at Luchasaurus and be like, ooh, you know, he's more interesting. It, you know, it would just make me root for Christian even more. <laughs> I'll tell you what was interesting was that really long rant that Jim Ross went on comparing Darby Allen to Allen Iverson. I totally missed this. What I mean, <laughs> it felt like it went on for a minute. It felt like like all of a sudden he's talking about how Allen Iverson used to get more points in the paint because he was the only guy that was really little and not scared okay, to go inside. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah, okay. I t- like I he wasn't that. breaking it down like Hubie Brown or something, right. but he was definitely like like J.R. watching some NBA, it yeah, sounded it was, like. Not J.R.-esque, if you will. No, it was very surprising. I was like, what the hell is he talking about? Does he have dementia? Anyway, I love this match. Like I said last week, Christian Cage doing work. She was oh, doing work on Wednesday. Yes, he was. Oh, my God damn. Yes, he was. It's a good segue. Uh, we opened the Go Home show to All In. Uh, I mean, the Go Home Dynamite, I should say. To All In. Um with uh, we had the elite come out and they were gonna wrestle the guns and I was like oh shit I'm mm-hmm. like this is like popping off and then it just never happened it was just like crazy beat down uh, just like uh, Rick Max like took a bump like immediately and I'm like oh fuck right uh, I was like god damn it <laughs> like, this fucking match ain't even gonna happen shit ended up leading to uh, FDR coming out and kind of um, you know cranking up to all in but uh yeah, it's kind of a crazy way to start the show. But here's the problem um, with that, though. That, I mean, this has been their M.O., and we were talking about it last week. What, seven uh, segments in some form or fashion with somebody getting beat down to lead to the match? I mean, at least in – I can't believe I'm going to say this out loud. At least in TK's defense on this one, this match was set. We just – this was a build, you know, to two matches – the Elite, Jay White, um, Juice, and Takeshita. Um, well, not the Elite, but better choice of words. Omega, Page, Ob- and Kota Ibushi versus Takeshita. Golden Elite. Yeah, Golden Elite. And then, obviously, on the other side, Bucks and FTR. So, in at least this week, this segment actually was building towards matches versus last week was basically, you know, Boom, this is what happens, so we're going to have the match. Maybe, Boom, this is what's going to happen. Matches. Right. Um, yeah, crazy brawl. Uh, then we had Renee Paquette backstage with MJF. Uh, Renee Paquette was the MVP of this 
episode of AEW Dynamite. She was the main she was character. All over it. She no, she yeah. well, she's the connecting yeah. weave throughout this show. Yeah, she was so good in every segment, and uh, he really elevated the show, which is not normally the role that uh, the backstage interviewer is placed in. Uh, she's just really good at her job. Uh, but uh, we had MJF, and man, this was like I love these MJF promos where he's just talking like a normal person and as much as like a normal person as Jeff can actually be uh, some of the lines that he said uh, where he's just like he's the 2023 version of the British Bulldog if the British Bulldog was Jewish and a good public speaker <laughs> like just fucking random um, but he's just talking like a normal person and he just does the absolute baby face of all baby face promos as much, again as much as MJF can be I uh, still called Tony Khan a mark and you know, he was throwing around some insider terms, but um, just came off like the most likable dude, and you just felt bad for him. Um, yeah, what, what did you guys think of this? I'm surprised to say this. I do not want MJF to flip back to heel. I think that he is an incredible babyface. And for some of the reasons that Zach just said, he's still called Tony Khan and Mark. He still makes jokes that are kind of inappropriate. He's still a dick. But... He's a very, He's very likable dick. He's our dick. Isn't that what he isn't that what he called it? He said, I'm gonna be your scumbag. I mean Yeah, he said he's like I'm not just he's like I'm not just a scumbag. I'm your scumbag. Yeah, the character the character really works for him. He's i I really hope that it's Adam Cole that turns. I'll have more thoughts about that later. Jason, what do you think? No, I was thinking the same thing that as this went along and then obviously we'll talk about Adam Cole in a second. I'm, I was thinking to myself, you know, MJF is really, both guys are for that fact. One, they're making it hard to figure out who's going to win this match. They're making it hard to figure out who's going to turn. Then long term, just on the MJF part of it, I think that this run just solidifies him as one of the better, if not a, one of the top tier wrestlers, professional wrestlers in the world. And it's not all just what he does in the ring. This character work is some shit that WWE should be salivating over. Now, probably, they, I'm sure that they are at this point. So, I mean, the bidding war of 2024 just got a little more interesting. We'll talk about somebody else throwing a uh, contract out here in a little bit as well. But I thought this was really well done. And I'll just say this. It's it's hard not to like Max at this moment. Yeah, another example of long-term storytelling. And, you know, the bar isn't high. This is like a two-month story at this time. Just tell us stories and we'll be into it. I mean, And also, give, us what, give people what they want. Don't just intentionally swerve them just to swerve them. Uh, people are into it. Yeah, for let sure. It, let it happen. Yep. Um, we had Moxley and Phoenix. So Phoenix has his second awesome match in a week. And um, this match was great. Um, I mean, no surprise, just whenever you think about the two dudes. But, uh, man, I was very much into this. The fans were super into this. Uh, he, uh, Moxley gave Phoenix a, like, second rope, what do you call it, Death Rider, and he kicked out of it. That was fucking awesome. Uh, but uh, eventually he gets the win. And then, of course, um, the 
real kind of meat and potatoes of this was uh, after the match. So, of course, they do the beat down, you know, Claudio and Wheeler uh, get in the ring, but this time they have a crowbar. And uh, Eddie Kingston and uh, Penta come out. Uh, they're stopped by Ortiz, who's like swinging a loaded sock. And then we had the music hit, and Santana came out. So he's back after like more than a year. Uh, he's been out of the shelf for a long time. And crowd goes nuts. Uh, Ortiz smacks Kingston with the sock. Uh, Santana runs down, starts fighting with Penta. And then um, Wheeler takes a crowbar to Phoenix's head. Um, so this is basically just writing Phoenix out because he cannot travel to the UK because of visa issues. And so Santana and Ortiz are going to be the extra dudes for the Blackpool Combat Club side of Stadium Stampede. Uh, they are seasoned in the Stadium Stampede match. It's a good get. It's a fun return. Good for Santana. Um, I guess they're going to be working together. I know that there was heat there. Maybe there still is. Um, I was reading about that. Yeah, that's so I what like, I was going to ask. Eat? Don't they not like each other? Yeah, and I think it's. I think there was heat because um, Ortiz, like there was not there was a possibility for them to go to WWE, but WWE only wanted them together, and Ortiz didn't want to go because he liked the he liked the company and he liked the um, the dates, like those fewer dates and like the more flexibility and stuff. And Santana wanted to go to WWE, but he couldn't go without Ortiz. If you saw and them so, at Six Flags, would you know which one was which if they were standing right next to each other? <laughs> uh, I would. I'm not saying, though, that I would recognize them as uh, who they are, though. They don't really come off like a star, but if uh, I, w- I know I know what he looks like. Jason, can you tell them apart? Uh, yeah, I think that's an easy, uh, <clears throat> I guess, lineup, so to speak. And, and uh, I've been watching Law & Order lately, so we'll go with lineup. Dum dum. I... I wasn't sure how it was going to. When I did it, just said executive produced by Dick Wolf. I wasn't sure how, because I knew that Phoenix was going to get written off. I was like, okay, how we're going to do it. Crowbar to the face. Okay, fair enough. That feels like something Blackpool Combat Club would do just because they're general badasses and don't give two fucks about anybody that's not named Blackpool Combat Club. So, okay, check mark there. Now the the run-in where Ortiz comes out, kind of knew that was going to happen, wasn't sure about Santana. The Santana part is a surprise. I guess um, doing business, getting a check is can put – you know, some hurt feelings aside. I know me, I like money enough where I don't necessarily like my day job, but I like the money enough to where I don't have to fucking talk to you jokers, come in, do what I need to do and dip. So in that scenario, maybe it's, a, it's, a, it's you know, I don't necessarily like you because we don't go to, we didn't go to WWE, but business is business. This makes business sense. Um, We'll see what it means long-term um, past uh, all-in if Santana Ortiz are going to be a part of BCC or not. My guess is no, but we'll see what happens. 
Uh, man, I kind of forgot that they existed. I completely forgot about them. I I kind of pop. I kind of popped for this. I was like, well, Santana has been. Oh, that's cool. Santana was got hurt in that um that blood and guts match really, really early. I guess not this year, but twenty three. It was real early. Um, it was like within the first five minutes, he he busted his knee up, and um the inner circle side was short running from that point on. So he had been out for an extended period of time. In that spot, Ortiz was having this feud, well, not even a feud, but uh, just tension with Eddie Kingston. So, and that was all on yeah, Rampage. Yeah, I remember that. Okay. I remember that, So yeah. now, if you, I had to stop and think about it, I was like, wait a minute. This like a been, year ago? Like a full year ago? I wouldn't, I don't know, because I was going to say, I, if, let's just say six months ago. I think Ortiz. Oh, it had to be longer ago than that. I think Ortiz smoked Kingston's last Newport. Yeah, yeah. That's, I, as a, yeah Kingston I, does seem like a Newport smoker. Yeah, I would be a little pissed off too. If you didn't give me a pack. Yeah, that's that's grounds to get your ass whooped. So, um, <laughs> connected the dots. It, I guess that makes sense, especially with Ortiz. Uh, I think Santana and Ortiz smoke like Benson and Hedges or something. Or did they even make Benson? Are you, you okay? A, you're showing your age, and B, <laughs> do they even make them anymore? That's a great question. I don't know. I've never even thought about it. I'm saying you showing your age on that one. I but, worked at a 7-Eleven in 1996. Okay, Benson Hedges were around. In yeah, for sure. Sorry, three beer. We're hijacking your shit. Go ahead. No, that's fine. Uh, and then uh, again, Renee Paquette. Uh, fantastic performance here, and also this was the best part of the segment. It was mm. it was compelling. Yeah. They're in the back, and they're loading Phoenix into an ambulance, and Kingston is distraught. And Renee Paquette comes up to get his thoughts, and he's like, "Oh, you?" He's like, "You that you're put a microphone in my face?" He's like, "You see what your husband just did?" He's like, "You want me to fix it?" And she's just like, you know, taking aback that he's taking it out on her, and. um like, no, I don't want you to fix it. And he like hits the microphone. He like walks away. It was awesome. So good. Yeah, it was good. Jason, fix. You know what? You, you what? know what? Renee should have said to him. Mind your own business, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> Shoved him in the mic with you know depth and shit. That's the question. What is Eddie supposed to fix? What's what is, is the problem with him and John that? seemingly is so unfixable that Renee now has urged Kingston to make this shit right. Is it going to come ahead at all in? Or we have to wait a week for all out? We'll see what happens. But I will say that this segment, even though Stadium Stampede is going to be a absolute shit show. Dude. I'm now wondering what is Eddie supposed to fix? I mean, he told us he, he he stopped drinking alcohol, and all he drinks now is blood. I mean, he told us. <laughs> Dude, there, there were gonna there were gonna be consequences to that decision. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, um, but uh, then we had Renee with Sammy, um, just kind of ongoing that storyline. Nothing major to really talk about there, unless you guys have anything. Uh, but I want to get on to the Jericho Osprey thing because, man, I gotta say. I was groaning, and I was kicking dirt, and I was shuffling my feet, and I was, like, hanging my head because I'm like, Jesus Christ, all the people on the planet, Will Ospreay, 
could face in front of 80,000 people at Wembley. It's going to be Chris Jericho. And then they had this segment, and it was fucking awesome. Like, Will Ospreay, I won't say it was his best promo, because, man, the promo he cut on Kenny Omega before their uh, Japanese match and some of the other stuff he's done, uh, New Japan and the press conferences, has been phenomenal. This was him to an American audience, though. This was, like, kind of his first exposure of getting into a real, actual promo in front of an American audience, a large American audience, and boy, did he hit it out of the park. Um, Jericho fired back. Um, this was phenomenal, and now I am stoked for this match. Like, they, this did more for their match than any other segment did for any of the other matches. Maybe it was, maybe I think that way because I just wasn't in the match before, and now I really am now. Uh, but this was awesome. Jason. I'm always, um, I guess, taken aback when you say, well, not you, but people say, um, just for example, Jay White's not a, a superstar or Will Ospreay can't talk or things along those lines. As a New Japan fan, you know, I see a lot of them. So for me, when I hear stuff like that, it, I'm taking it back. I guess that's the best choice of words. Um, Will Ospreay here, I thought, was on a different level where he made, he appealed to people on a personal level. And both guys made it where this match has no titles, no nothing, but they both explained it, why it's important to them. For Will, it's it's going to change his life. You know, I got stepson to feed. You know, I got contract coming up in six months. You know, I got a chance to beat uh, Omega, uh, Okada, and Jericho within a span of months. You know, I can go to this next plateau. Jericho, guy that's been around, but this is going to be the biggest show he's ever, you know, been a part of so it means something to him you don't think he's going to come so both guys you know built the match up to now if you weren't feeling it like you were last week like Zach was hopefully you were jumping on board for me I thought Will Ospreay was what he was for me that wasn't a surprise it was just what he said that was the surprise the content was the surprise it wasn't the intensity because I'm used to seeing that Jericho firing back I thought was just as good and now you have a match where it's going to be real interesting to see how this one plays itself out I'm going to do my Simon Cowell impression right now okay go okay I didn't like this segment whoa I I loved it (laughs) I was like wait for it wait for it (laughs) oh my god that's my Simon that's my Simon Cowell impression Uh, this was the segment of the week Uh, I was same way I was last week, I was saying, man, this is a letdown. And it just seemed obvious to me that this is a letdown. And the segment sold me. I was like, wow, that's how you sell a fucking match. This was a really good go-home show for a big show, I thought. And uh, this segment was a huge part of that, not the the main part of it. Because now I am psyched to see uh, this match. And I think that there's a there's a wide range of how this match could end up and it depends on what kind of match they decide to have i hope that jericho doesn't try to keep up with will osprey and i hope that will osprey uh has one of his 
certified banger matches, like not a high spot match, but a really uh, fun, uh, you know, beater. Jericho uh, making the, you know, announcing that he called Will Ospreay like, hey, you got to tone this shit down. Tremendous. Otherwise, you're not going to make. Tremendous. It, it all You know just... what it reminded me of? It reminded me of that MJF Regal uh, segment that happened last year when they, you know, when they brought real shit into right. it. It was kind of like that. It was compelling, and both guys were tremendous at what they were doing. I loved it. No, it's, it's, it. it's rare. I won't say it's rare, but it's great when both guys – in a promo battle, can step up their game, and it feels equal where, you know, not one guy is overshining the other. Will Ospreay, I know how he's feeling, you know, right? When you kick back, kick your head back, and you're taking it in, and you get the drip, and, man, you're just ready to fucking go. You don't care if your hat looks (laughs) stupid. You don't care if you say bruv 50 fucking times. Dude, he was hot. Yeah. He was hot. I mean, I've heard. I've seen movies where they do stuff like that, and... Yeah, obviously. You know what that, I mean. No, yeah. no personal uh, frame of reference. No, I'm just a cinephile. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as soon as I get that drain, I'm like, oi, bro. <laughs> Are you kidding me, bro? <laughs> Boy, he was hot. He even got a plug-in for his, his match the night before, which is awesome. I'm going to be buying that. Uh, he's uh, main eventing Rev Pro uh, against Shingo. Yes. They've never had less than a five-star match. They're doing that the night before? The night before, yeah. Holy shit, yeah. God bless that dude. Yeah. It's, it's, so we got something to watch on Saturday morning and Sunday morning. This is going to be a great weekend. This is like Christmas for nerds. Yep. I like them. I mean, nerds can I'm... like Christmas too. But... <laughs> <laughs> but you know what we're talking about. Uh, so then we had Renee Paquette backstage again, uh, this time with Adam Cole. And contrasting MJF's amazing babyface promo, here we have pretty much full-blown heel Adam Cole. So they're really telegraphing for at least, if not telegraphing, at least uh, foreshadowing an Adam Cole heel turn here because he just flips out on Renee whenever she suggests that he's just leading Max along uh, whenever she shows him video evidence. Uh, like it's just like uh, Trump's gonna be in the courtroom. Uh, they should present him with like video evidence of like the 11 million times that he said that he broke the law, and he's like he's gonna be like so mad about it. <laughs> so um, yeah, this is uh, you know further in the main event angle. It's um, super interesting, interesting, and uh, yeah, I don't know. What do you guys think? No, I agree. It was definitely a night and day. Um promo where well not promo but interview um mjf came off as the baby face and then adam cole started off you know everything's gravy blah 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 um but then once you started once renee started to say you know show the quote-unquote cracks or whatever the case may be and then you saw the clips or whatever I would just I would I was going to use the word defensive, but yeah, it was way past defensive. I mean, you, you can't be defensive and storm out like that. I mean, you know, that's you know, angry angry at that point, borderline pissed off. So it definitely came across where Adam Cole is not in the right headspace for this particular point to be brought up. Um I'll I'll save the rest for our prediction point, but yeah, I'm I wasn't sure if I was going to like this because it felt like a lot of promos, a lot of vignettes, 
interviews or whatever, but all did a job where it built up to a match of significance. And this is the biggest of the bunch, obviously, because this will be the main event. So for me, it's kudos to TK in that, in that scenario, the matches that he wants to highlight, he wants, it was long story, long term storytelling. He's done that. He's done it. Well, we were worried about if this was going, this felt like this was going to be a big enough match. This feels like a big enough match now because you are totally intrigued. At least I am. I'll speak for myself. Like I said, who wins, how they win, you know, the repercussions thereafter. So, I mean, in that scenario, I'll tip my hat to Tony where he's made MJF, Adam Cole, baby, feel like a must see main event match. Yeah. Um, so then we had uh, Darby Allen and Nick Wayne. Uh, they beat Swerve Strickland and Aaron Fox. And I was really confused about this because, um, you know, Wayne beat Fox, uh, which is all like, well, and good. I was also confused, like, why would you even have this match to begin with? Like, you're going to have a match Saturday um, in the, or Sunday. You know, it's like a pretty big match. But um, I listened to Wrestling Observer Radio right before the podcast and apparently air fox uh cannot travel to the uk and he did not tell anyone that or they they did not find that out until um like very recently so not only is he not on the show um they took him out of the mobile embassy so um seemed a little bit almost like a punishment scenario um because this did not make storyline sense for uh, them to be like so forgiving so fast but um basically that's what happened and then um we've got christian cage coming out um and he's going to take the place so it's going to be sting and darby allen versus christian cage and swerve uh christian cuts a promo on nick <laughs> wayne uh because that's his favorite pastime is to uh cut promos on young kids with dead fathers and um I gotta say, uh, Nick Wayne Bombs using the crowd. He's kind of a smoke show. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, Nick Wayne's mother is probably my age or maybe a little bit younger. And I gotta say, come find me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, you gotta be. I gotta say, I don't know if you did that shit on purpose, but yeah, that was, that almost came out the wrong way, boy. <laughs> that beer damn near spit out. Good shit. Uh, I don't know what Christian's thing is with making fun of dudes and their dead fathers, but Woo. this is like three in a row, basically. He did it with Jungle Jack Perry. He had that really Wardlow. weird promo on Arn Anderson. Oh, yeah, Wardlow, too. This is his fourth one. Yeah. I mean, Arn, he was talking to the dad, but a dad that just <laughs> lost his son, and he had Wardlow, too, man. That's his thing. He's, like, got a feud fetish for, like, grieving family members. That's, well, okay. Man, it's, that's Well, that's an do. easy trigger, though. And that's what Christian, that's the beauty of this Christian run. As I was watching him just go to town yeah. and laughing my monkey ass off as he's doing it. Oh, yeah. This is the beauty of it. He knows how to get heat. He knows how to do that. 
That's easy. All you're doing for him is just making it an easier way for him to get heat. What's the what's the one way to piss somebody off is talk about their dead fill in the blank and yeah. make fun of it. <laughs> yes. Oh yeah. really? So this is all you have to do? And Christian is a fucking the meanest thing you can do. And Christian's a motherfucking ace on the mic. So you add those two things together, man. This has been a amazing know. run I, for Christian. I just Christian. don't know how there's so many guys that he just happens to be in feuds with, with dead fathers or dead sons, and to it's keep talking be. about it. It is insane. It's pretty. It's pretty insane. Anyway, he fucking rules. He's gonna be challenging IRS by the next month. Listen, Stop. if Nick Wayne and his mom are cool with that type of uh, promo, then I'm cool with it. They're the only people that matter. So if they're yeah, absolutely. If, if they're fine no with it, then I'm fine with no it. No doubt. Uh, so again, Renee Peckett, she is backstage. She's with Young Bucks and FTR. Um, this is interesting just because it's been babyface, babyface this whole time, but the Young Bucks are now kind of um, like playing heel a little bit, uh, kind of big time and FTR saying, you know, when they hang up their Jordans, they'll be named the uh, best tag team to ever do it, which I agree with, by the way. And here you uh, go, here you go. <laughs> Knew you was gonna say <laughs> some shit like that. Yeah, and FTR will just be the guys that they named that the young bucks named on their YouTube show. And I was like, like that damn. Awesome <laughs> I was like, oh. <laughs> yeah, that's gonna be a good match. What do you think about the segment, Jason? It was extremely intriguing because, like uh, Three Beer said, it was a scenario where both sides have been playing nice. FTR wanted to make sure that the Bucks were, you know, at 100% or close to it before uh, the Wembley match. And I was like, I was waiting. I'm like, you know, is this going to be a scenario that somebody going to say something? And then as soon as I was thinking that, Nick said the, the line of, you know, it means more for them than it does for us. We're we're already made. This is their match. They have to win it. And I was like, oh, okay. Now we got heat. And that immediately caught my attention. And I don't necessarily think that it has to be heel versus face. It could they can roll out as two baby faces and Wembley's gonna eat that shit up. Now you just made it a little more intriguing because now it feels like there's that tension that I won't say it's been missing because this is ultimately a, a three-match series, but for this particular match, now you got the tension. It's like any best-of-seven series. As long as you, the longer you play them, the more and more you're going to dislike these motherfuckers, and now you got the tension. So now we have it. This is going to be – we're lucky to even get this match. Let's just put that out there too. Yeah, I'm looking forward to the match very much. Can't wait. Maybe the match I'm looking forward to the most on the card? I don't know. I'm psyched for this match. Um, let me just say a few things to Dax Harwood, and I don't know if this is kayfabe style or not, but if you don't want your daughter to keep being brought up by the opponent, you got to stop bringing up your daughter, man. Like, you don't get to bring up your daughter when somebody else is repeating back to you something that doesn't even it's – not, it's, it's not derogatory at all. They're just saying you have a daughter. You don't get to be like, don't bring up my daughter, man. Hashtag hey, facts. Which one of the young bucks was the one sitting on the right this time? Uh, closest uh, to Matt. Matt, Matt was, was yeah. Okay. So, Matt, by the way, I was looking at them, and I was like, I don't know how these people can tell these people apart. Jesus I really, like, I was staring Christ. at them. They're not identical twins. I was staring. They're five years apart. 
Even which more one, so. Which my one point. has the hairline that's further back? That's a, that's how I have to know. Nick's got the further. Matt is Matt is. Matt is Matt Jackson looks like Matt Hardy. That's your the connection. No, the hairline thing I get. Okay. Anyway, okay, we'll, we'll test this next week when we talk about the production. I'm gonna do it. Um, so the one sitting closer to Shivani, uh, when he slipped into that Dax Harwood impression. Just for like a split second, Dude, I lost it. I popped, man. I was <laughs> like, "Fuck yeah!" Dax Harwood is such a fucking dork, and whichever Jackson it was, I forget which one we said. It was Matt. Whenever Matt goes, "Yeah, yeah, we get it, man. You got to feed your family." Like he did it just a little bit, and it was it. It looked like a deep fake. It was such a perfect impression. <laughs> I popped, man. I watched it like, like six times. All of a sudden, you're like, which one's Dax Hartwood? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah, it was a good segment. I don't see. I, I really can't look at FTR like they're baby faces at all. I'm like, man, these guys fucking suck. These guys are dorks. They are people. They are probably the least interesting motherfuckers to talk to in the entire world. Mm. Damn. Okay. Like you're on the highway. Oh damn! <laughs> <laughs> you ain't shit. <laughs> anyway, psyched for this match though. Psyched for it. Uh, we had a nothing matches Ruby Soho and Sky Blue. I don't even know why it happened. It doesn't matter. It didn't have anything to do with all that. Um, uh, she called a shot out for uh, Chris Stagler, and she's going to be next to get fit. Yeah, I guess maybe we got to do some storylines for the pay-per-view next week. <laughs> maybe you yeah, think right. <laughs> there is that other pay-per-view. But uh, Renee Paquette's backstage again. She's with Roderick Strong in the kingdom. Uh, all this was was Roderick Strong saying, uh, at the end of All In, we'll see who the true MJF and the true Adam Cole is planting more seeds. So we can talk about what we think is going to happen in predictions. Um, we had House of Black, uh, you know, video package. Um, and we had the return of Daddy Ass uh, after uh, they were – he was very upset Um that they destroyed his boots and uh man he came out to a huge pop and then they made this match official um it's going to be house of black versus the acclaimed and badass billy gun not daddy ass we're getting the badass billy gun so um again we can talk more about what we think is going to happen with that and then we I, have just, the main event. I, I just want to say this i did not expect billy gunn to get that kind of pop for such a predictable return he got a huge <laughs> oh yeah they lost their goddamn he eyes. got a massive pop which shows how over he is and shows how over the acclaimed is uh number two i didn't know he wasn't badass billy gunn anymore i know they called him daddy ass i always thought that was a nickname it never occurred to me that his name wasn't badass billy gunn that's yeah, why when he was like this checks daddy ass for a minute that's but that's like when he, I'm when he <laughs> <laughs> but when he goes I but when he goes daddy ass can't make it but someone you haven't seen for a while can and I was like oh I guess he can't go over there either so who's it gonna be and he's like badass Bill- James. yeah I was like oh so it's badass Billy Gunn oh okay yeah that's fine I'd say here's my different passport. Oh, I was gonna be like X Pack or something. Yeah, right. Just gonna say I yeah, just gotta give me that, that other passport. Awesome. You're, you're you're fine. Just give me the other passport. You know, give me the fake one. It's called Badass Billy Gun. Um, I, I agree with you. I was a little surprised that Billy Gun got this much of a a pop, but I shouldn't be. Ultimately, the acclaimed are over. Them as a trio are over. 
we'll talk about what we think is going to happen. Um, it'll be interesting. I'll say that. I'll leave it at that. Uh, we had the main event, Aussie Open versus the Hardys for the ROH Tag Team titles. This uh, didn't get to go very long, uh, mostly about the end anyway. So uh, Aussie Open beats the Hardys, and then MJF and Adam Cole come out. They do the face-off. Um, so, um, yeah, I just hope that MJF and or Adam Cole don't get hurt in the very first match of the show. Uh, because they're in the last match of the show. That's the the main thing there. But anyway, great go-home show. Uh, I don't think that the match... Oh, we'll talk about this. Yeah, great go-home show. I don't have much to say about the end of it. Um, Just anticlimactic, I thought, was the the word I was coming up with. Um, God bless the Hardys, but it just felt like they were there to just play the, uh, the setup to the bigger angle. I'll leave it there. All right, and that's going to do it for our three count. We'll be back with predictions after we take a little Terry Funk pit stop. One, two, three. So, Terry Funk, legendary wrestler, hardcore wrestler, wrestler whose career stretched over six decades. At the age of 79, passed away this week. Uh, Zach, what are your thoughts about Terry Funk uh, in general? Um, I mean, for me, he's always been like kind of an all-timer. He's always been somebody that might end up on my Mount Rushmore at any given week. Um, really a wrestler's kind of wrestler. Um, and, you know, like I said, I was born in 1985, and Terry Funk had already retired for the first time before I was born. So whenever I was first introduced to Terry Funk, it was um, ECW. And it was, uh, he was basically the Chris Jericho of ECW. Uh, he was the older guy putting the younger guys over or getting them over, even if he wasn't putting them over. He wasn't always putting them over, but he was getting them over. Um, and he was that guy, you know, even in his earlier career. But man, he was so good at it. And he was just one of those guys. Um, I, I sent that article that the shorter article that Meltzer wrote. Uh, I listened to Wrestling Observer Radio, um, like I said, right before um, we started. And uh, Dave was actually good friends with him for a long time. And um, he does a, like, whatever you think about Melcher's opinions and stuff, he does a really good job with his historical stuff and, like, his obituaries and stuff. And um, I'm really looking forward to seeing this biography because he knew a ton about Terry Funk. Um, anyway, uh, Funk was just that dude, and he, you know, could never quit. I don't know if anybody saw the Beyond the Mat. Um, that is something that if you want to kind of get grasp, like, the essence of who Terry Funk is, like, that's a good way to do it. But plenty of great matches on there, including his um, his I Quit match versus Ric Flair. Um, a little tidbit of information I found out today was um, his and Dory Funk Jr.'s match against, oh, God, uh, can't remember the opponents because I just heard it today, but essentially their match was so good in the, in the all Japan uh, tag league. Uh, like the final match was so good that they decided to do that tournament every single year. And it's like the longest running tag tournament in um, wrestling history right now. It still happens every year. Um, just an absolute legend. And uh, yeah, from, uh, from, you know, 
my time watching him in ECW and then WWF with the Chainsaw Charlie shit. And, uh, you know, he was that guy who got his uh, sneakers choke slammed off of him whenever uh, Mick Foley got thrown off the cage in the, in the Hell in a Cell. Um, just, uh, yeah, he was an old man by the time I was, I was watching these. Just, um, yeah, an absolute legend. So, RIP. He, 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 was nine, he was 79, though. And so it was uh, not shocking to hear that he passed. No. Uh, Jason, Terry Funk thoughts. Knee-jerk reaction is always, uh, without really thinking about it, it was, it's Roadhouse. Um, and this is obviously post, one of his post-wrestling uh, stints. To see him in Roadhouse was just weird. But he's it, it, every time I see him in the movie, it's a memorable scene, one way or the other. You know, it's always something that... At the very beginning where, you know, he's clearly not going to be with uh, Dalton on this transition in the middle when he gets his ass kicked. You know, mind your business, dad. Mind your own business, dad. Thank you very much. That scene as well. Um, Just on the wrestling portion of it, since I'm always made as as the the oldest guy in the room, even I didn't really see a lot of Terry Funk until he came back for this Ric Flair um, feud that he had that ended up in this I Quit match. I think it was at Starca- Starcade. I might be wrong. Um, but that was really my first real introduction to Terry Funk. And as a huge Ric Flair fan, of course I'm pissed off that you know he put you know, Rick on the shelf. But him with Gary Hart, they, they as a combo – really got heat on them over the top where it was just like you never you saw this but you didn't really see it the way Terry Funk did it where you know he might go into the stands at any time you know just the unpredictability of him as the character could just snap at any point and then he was still and this is way you know probably into his 40s or whatever he's still doing moonsaults and all this other crazy shit the I quit match is probably one of the better matches of a I quit match that I've seen where you know it felt legitimately like Terry Funk was getting ready ready to have his legs snapped by the figure four, but he really didn't want to quit. Gary Hart didn't want him to quit, and ultimately he did. So that was a nice little cap to that. The WWE run, not necessarily great in the ring, but obviously uh, Three Beers said it, the hell in the cell, him just being a supporting cast member, that's into itself. It keeps him around in thoughts. Anytime that comes up, Terry Funk is playing a part. I could see him, you know, trying to hold back Nick Foley, trying to be the voice of reason. That Terry Funk being the voice of reason at any given point should be an alarming point, but that's neither here nor there. Um, I wish I, I need to just go back more and watch the old stuff because I'm the stuff that I see of him now is just in limited form in ring. Outside of that, not a big ECW guy. That's more of a joey's bag than it is mine but to me i always think of the rick flair feud because that at least put him on my radar isn't that the one they say i'm sure there are people that disagree with this but isn't that the one they say like invented hardcore wrestling when uh funk uh 
did a pile driver on Flair on top of a table or something. I mean, that's the way I think of him. I think of him as like the father of hardcore. I know it's more complicated than that, but he was one. I mean. Well, there's, that was, no, there's no way he's not John Moxley's favorite wrestler. That know? was the angle coming into it that he did a couple pile drivers and one that was like I think he ripped off the the mat and he did it on the uh, the exposed floor or whatever. So Ric Flair was out with a neck injury or whatever. And then I, from he, that point, they just really played into the shit. I guess my first memories of him really like I remember him when I was little, kind of. You know, they say most a lot of his like really great shit when he was NWA champion. It's not even. Can't find it anywhere. They didn't have videotapes of it. But, like, he was supposedly super over. I remember reading the McFoley book in college, and I think it was the first wrestling book I ever read, and he talked mm. about Terry Funk all the fucking time. Like, he loved Terry Funk. You know, he was, like, his wrestling dad. Um, so I think about that a lot, and I associate him with McFoley, even though I guess most people associate him with Flair. I mean, as his biggest as his biggest uh, rival, or at least like when he was probably the most famous. I probably well, it's safe to say that Ric Flair is a little bigger in just wrestling popularity worldwide. So, and that was the more the peak of his career, right? Um, I heard some interesting and things. really like Japan was he had a lot of stuff in Japan that was kind of like towards the actual peak. He he also wrestled a ton in St. Louis. Mm. Um, um, so. as a journalist, I did my journalistic duty today and I listened to another wrestling podcast and I learned some interesting things from a smart guy named Phil Schneider, who's a wrestling writer, go out and seek him out. He writes for the ringer sometimes, but, um, he's also got a Brian Danielson interview coming up in GQ, which is really fucking weird, but, uh, he's like a Terry Funk fanatic. And he said, he said, Terry Funk was known for, I'd never heard this, that he was always like. He was never hesitant to change. Like, apparently he was a huge proponent of women's wrestling in Japan in, like, the early 90s when everybody thought of it as, like, not serious at all. He was like, no, these these women can really wrestle. Uh, you know, he ECW pushed a lot of boundaries. There's no question about that. And he was a pivotal part of ECW. And apparently he was a big... He, he was a big proponent of lucha style also because he did so much wrestling in Texas when he was young and he, he would wrestle guys from Mexico. So... I mean, kind of, kind of a forward-thinking dude. Definitely uh, a legend, no doubt. Um, I watched a few matches of his today. Uh, I watched one on YouTube that you can find, which is him versus Eddie Guerrero in, like, 1989. It's, like, eight minutes long, but it's uh, really fucking good. So go out and find a Terry Funk match on YouTube or something and watch it. Uh, it's a lot of fun. Anything else to say about the great life of Terry Funk? No, I was just going to say it. No, go ahead, 3 beer. I'm sorry. Oh, I was going to say uh, – that he mentioned the Japanese, uh, he actually is the guy that turned Meltzer on to uh, the Japanese women's wrestling because he told him to go watch the Crush Gals, and he's like, "This is what the future of wrestling will be," and uh, where like a lot of dudes would just scoff at you know 130 pound women um, out there, you know, thinking that they're pro wrestlers, and he's like, "No, this is the future," and yeah, he was always like forward thinking and. Uh, Another story that he told is he would go out there. He didn't ever have a plan for the match. He would be peeking through the curtain the whole time, seeing what popped the crowd and what didn't. And he would change everything that he did from like, from the moment he walked out of the curtain until the moment that he walked back was completely catered to the actual crowd that he was in front of um, because he would just study it. Uh, everybody, everybody, everybody's match on the card before his, just a total class act, dude. Anyway, go on. 
Uh, R.I.P. Terry Funk. One of the best to ever do it. Didn't know that shit. R.I.P. That's going to do it for our three count. All right, we got some predictions, everybody. Wembley Stadium, this Saturday. Noon Central, I believe. Sunday. Oh, it's Sunday, sorry. Yeah, noon Sunday, we have all in from Wembley Stadium. Yeah, it's noon Central on Sunday. That's going to be real. <laughs> I'll throw a motherfucker zero, on zero off. Zero hours and 11. Hey, 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 man. Hey, man. Just calm down, okay? I don't know if we if Joey's going to be the player or not. I'm assuming that it is, but I don't think I can be at Joey's at 11 o'clock, man. You know, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. Right. When they first announced that they were going to play Wem- Wembley Stadium, run Rem- Wembley Stadium, uh, I thought, and we all like fancy booked like cross promotional, just all time dream matches that were kind of done at Forbidden Door. This is an AEW pay per view. There is not a whole lot of people on this card that aren't usually on AEW. Um, so I think that's pretty cool. Uh, so first off, the very first match of the night for Zero Hour, we have Aussie Open versus MJF and Adam Cole, baby, for the ROH Tag Team Title. Zach, who do you have? I have Aussie Open. Um, whether they're lost, better than you, baby's lost adds to the strife and the the story of the main event or what have you. Um, that's, I think, the vehicle for it and the reason for it. Um, I think it would be bonkers to have them beat Aussie Open. Because uh, as, as Jason said, they're one of the better tag teams in the world. And they should have a nice little run with these ROH tag belts. Um, but yeah, I've got uh, Aussie Open. He said everything I was going to say. I got Aussie Open. I have Aussie Open also. Uh, just, I would really, that's like a Vince move. Just sacrificing a really good tag team just for, uh, like, being the side piece of a story. So I'm going to take Aussie Open also. We have Jungle Jack Perry versus Hook for the FTW title. I thought Jack Perry was supposed to retire it. I think that's going to be the, on Saturday's uh, collision to lead to this match that we have. Uh, you, I stole on Wikipedia. So, spoiler alert, everybody. Hook's coming back apparently on Saturday night. Oh, my bad. I didn't know. Oh, that was a spoiler. My bad. Okay, so who you got? Um, ugh. who do I have? Um, I didn't even really think about this. I'm gonna go ahead and I'm gonna take Jack Perry. Still, as much as I wanted, to, I want Hook to come back and win it. I think Jack Perry keeping the title would be a little more intriguing. Hook should win, but I'll take Jack Perry. Zach, who you got? Give me Jungle. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's it's on the zero hour. Oh, you know what? I'm talking myself into it. I'll take Hook. I'll take Hook. They're going to pop the crowd as going into the uh, pay-per-view, so I'm going to take Hook. All right, up next we have Hikaru Shida versus Tony Storm versus Soraya versus Britt Baker for the women's title. It's a four-way match. What are you making that face for? You know why I'm making this face. You know why I'm making this face. You know why. No, what did I say? This is on the zero hour? Oh, no. Zero hour is over now. Okay. Zero hour is over now. No, sorry. Well, I was about to lose my goddamn mind. <laughs> Those are the only no, two matches. Even televised. This is a dark match. 
Yeah, this is they're putting this on elevation. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, I was about to use about that CD. Oh, oh, Jason, <laughs> Jason least the most. It's kind of like when you hand a sibling, your younger sibling, a controller, and they you, you tell them that they're actually like playing the game. Like, yeah, yeah, we're recording. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. You just keep holding on to that, kid. You'll be a great... Uh, That's what the entire FDW belt is. <laughs> you ain't shit. God Are we going damn. least the most on this, or...? Yeah, least the most. Who you got, Zach? Uh, least the most. I'm going to say least Tony Storm. She's having too much fun uh, breaking down. Um, and then I'm going to say... This is going to surprise... This is surprising me, even. I'm going to say... Uh, you know what? I'm talking myself out of that. Uh, I'm going to say second to least is Soraya, even though she's from the UK and that could pop the crowd. I still can't put her above Britt Baker because she's Britt Baker. So I think Britt Baker is going to be second, and I think Kakaro Shida is going to retain. Team real shit to like change the belt um, on her whenever she was like pandemic champ. Seems like he's going to get her run here, hopefully. Uh, she deserves it at least, um, and she's a really good wrestler. So I, I think she retains. So yeah, Tony Storm, Soraya, Britt Baker, Sheeta. I have the exact same thing. Uh, it's not like Soraya's red hot right now. I think putting it back on Britt, Britt Baker would make more sense than that. But keeping it on Sheeta for all the same reasons that Zach said. I have the exact same. I hate to sound redundant, but I am agreeing. Um, it has to be Sheeta at this point. I mean, good lord, you know. Soraya coming out of the blue would be the definite wild card of this bunch. Britta's had her turn. Tony, I think, is a three-time champion. I don't think we're ready to see that just yet. This feels like a sheet of run where, once again, next week, we have a pay-per-view. I would assume that she would be on that same pay-per-view in a singles match, but we'll, we'll talk about that next week. So do you have the same? Exactly. Okay. Uh, we have Darby Allen and Sting versus Swerve Strickland and Christian Cage. I'll go first here. Uh, I believe that Sting is undefeated in uh, AEW, so I am taking Darby Allen and Sting until they lose. Jason, who you got? Yeah, I was making this joke at the crap table. Uh, not the crap table. It was about, basically about a crap table. When you got the hot hand and – Somebody's rolling sevens at the top of the crap table. You just keep betting on that motherfucker until the wheels fall off. Darby and Sting it could be wrestling basically anybody at this point, and it, and especially in a coffin match. I mean, this Joker's a wrap. Oh yeah. Uh, who do you got, Zach? Yeah, I'm not. I'm not betting against Sting until uh, they should teach me different. Uh, the next up, we have the Golden Elite which is Kenny Omega, Ubushi, and Hangman Page versus Bullet Club Gold and Takeshita. Uh, I went first last time. Jason, who you got? I know who I want to win. I know who you want to win, too. So I'm going to go the opposite. I'll take um, Omega, Page, and Ubushi for the win. That is some pessimistic shit. Who you got, Zach? I got... The Bang Bang Gang. <laughs> I love that shit. <laughs> I am taking Bullet Club Gold also. Uh, just because they got... I mean, Jay White's going to win at some point in a pay-per-view match. Uh, so that mean he has to get pinned? Stadium Stampede match. That's why you got juice there. Eddie Kingston, 
Orange Cassidy, best friends in Penta versus the Black Bull Combat Club and LAX is what I still call them. I'm not calling them proud and powerful or whatever. I am going to, I believe this is Eddie Kingston's story, but LAX came back. I am taking the bad guys, Black Bull Combat Club and LAX. Who you got, Jason? I agree totally. This would be a feeling of a, a bit of a waste with Santana Ortiz, I've already been well documented on multiple rants on how they have been missed as AEW Tag Team Champions. Maybe we get that right later on down the line. Neither here nor there. I'm taking the bad guys. Zach, who you got? Yeah, I've got a Blackpool Combat Club. I I just don't see... This is not the time for the faces to stand tall here. Um, it'll just... Yeah, they'll continue their reign of terror. CM Punk taking on Samoa Joe for the Real World Championship. And when you call it the Real World Championship, it makes me want to give it to Puck. Or fucking Johnny Bananas or somebody. <laughs> like the Real World Championship? You mean like the one that CT goes for in the challenge? Mm-mm. You ain't shit. God, it sounds dumb. There's no way Punk loses this. I'm taking Punk. Ditto. Yeah. Uh, Unfortunately. Yeah, I know. If, I mean, Samoa Joe is... Pretty fucking cool right now. Uh, House of Black versus the acclaimed and badass Billy Gunn. I'll go first here. Wouldn't be surprised if this was the curtain jerker uh, because the acclaimed are going to be over <laughs> in England, man. They are going to go bonkers on they that They really shit. are. And uh, that's why I'm taking the acclaimed and the returning Billy Gunn. Uh, Zach, you got yeah, this would be a great curtain jerker. I also think we're going to get a feel-good win here. Um, and, uh, yeah, curtain jerker because uh, Billy Gunn's, you know, got a bedtime. His melatonin's going to kick in. God damn, dude. You ain't shit. Come on, man. All right. There he, looks better than, he looks better physically than most wrestlers on the roster. Billy Gunn? He looks, yeah. Yeah, he looks oh, better he, than both of his sons. He is, oh, fucking. Hey, one of them's got a concave chest. Of course he does. He looks like a fucking, he looks like a total badass. All right, so we're all in agreement on that. So uh, we also have FTR versus the Young Bucks to find out who is the greatest tag team in the world. Jason. I'll just put this disclaimer out there. I don't think this proves that who's the greatest tag team. But let's say we can't dig up the real warriors, so neither here nor there. Um, not as intriguing to me as Adam Cole, baby, versus MJF. At least the build to it, because this has been a much longer build. Not much. You like I said, this to me. You didn't have to build this. You just got to announce it when it's going to happen. Throw some titles up there. Don't throw some titles up there. It ultimately doesn't matter. This rivalry doesn't really need a, a feud per se. Now, all that being said, I almost agree with Nick Jackson. It feels like FTR kind of needs this a little more. I personally don't think so. I think that they're good as they are if they never if they, for whatever reason they don't win this match, I don't think it's the end of FTR's legacy. It's not a dead on it. They've done way too much in just the last 18 months. I'll just go that far, and I'll be conservative on that to make me think that this takes them out of the conversation of 
greatest tag team of all time. So, on that note, I am going to take FTR. I don't think the Bucks need it. I think this is a time to, if you're going to make this division about something long-term, FTR can lead that train going forward. So, I'm going to take FTR. That who you got? Uh, I got the Young Bucks, and I think it does prove who the greatest tag team <laughs> in the world is. He just told you. Yeah, whatever, Bob. That's it. Uh, <laughs> Aussie Open is still around, brother. Man, I've been going. They might get there eventually. I've been going back and forth. Back and forth on this. Fuck you, dude. There's, I, I bet they don't even know yet. I bet they don't even know who's going to win. That. I bet I, there's some fucking politicking going on. I, I, I would be surprised if they know just at this point. Taking the Young Bucks. Um, Because they're acting more heelish. And I, I am psyched for that match. I cannot wait for that fucking match. And then the two biggest ones in my eyes. I can't believe that Will Ospreay segment did that to me. But Will Ospreay versus Chris Jericho. He got Jason. Um, I just, I, ugh. I'll go this far. When Will Ospreay brought up his contract, it wasn't for any reason. Will Ospreay is not stupid. Okay, I was thinking about that this morning where. Will Ospreay can come on this roster and I wouldn't necessarily lose my goddamn mind like I've done with others. It would be equivalent akin to Jay White, if you will. It would be an amazing pickup and you would be foolish not to do that. All that said, this is Chris Jericho we're talking about. I I would be... I would go this far. I would be surprised to see Chris Jericho lose, but I'm going to go ahead and do it. Will Ospreay, to me, is on my short list of wrestler of the year. To have him pull this number off and beat guys that are on Mount Rushmore's Hall of Fames in such a short time, I just think it just adds to his just legacy, I guess, for lack of a better term. It just puts him on another level with AEW fans. It just it gives Tony Khan some goodwill. He's not stupid either. I just I think all signs Ospreay. point to Will Ospreay. What do you got, Zach? Uh, I got Will Ospreay. I I can't imagine Jericho getting in this match to, to win it. Jesus Christ, that would be depressing. Yeah, it's going to be Bill Ospreay. I mean, I do not see <laughs> Jericho going in there to lose. I mean, how can you not be excited for this match, though? Like, if Will Ospreay can get a fuck, sorry, if Bill Ospreay can get a match out of Tangaloa, I mean, yeah. him versus Jericho is going to be really fucking good. I mean, he good. fucking weekended Bernie Naito for a couple minutes there. He did. And in a six-star match. That match got six stars. Jericho's going to be fucking motivated, too. We're going to see everything that Jericho's got. Yeah. Um, both guys are going to leave it on the table. I would be a little surprised if you don't see, speaking of tables, um, you know, some sort of, not I won't call it fuckery, but... A more of a New Japan style match, if you will, where tables get involved. You get maybe, you know, throw somebody in commentary shit like that, especially with the the commentary table now that's down by ringside. I saw that on Saturday Night on Collision. I was like, well, damn, huh? 
They've never really done that before until now. So I would expect somebody to go through that table if they haven't set up for Wembley on uh, Saturday morning. And now, yeah, morning. I mean, Don, Don Callis can throw some brass knuckles in the ring. And, yeah. and now uh, for the the big one, uh, it is MJF versus Adam Cole, baby, for the heavyweight championship. Um, uh, this is going to be the culmination. There's lots of speculation out there. Everybody's got an opinion about what's going to happen, who's going to turn on who. Uh, I'll go first here. I think that they are. I think this is going to be kind of anticlimactic, and I think they are going to have a great match, and I think they're going to end it just with more tension. I don't think that we're going to see a full turn here, but I think that we're going to see Adam Cole, baby, win the championship. I'm going with Adam Cole. Jason, who do you got? I agree with, to a certain degree, I agree with, I don't think they completely, t- no, I, I take that back. I think they're just going to do it right now because they have the pay-per-view next week. I'm going to stick to what I thought. I think MJF retains. I think MJF turns on Adam Cole to retain just before. That's the tension. Who, who knifes who in the back first? Whoever does that first ultimately wins this match. I think Adam Cole kind of wants to do it. I think MJF is geared to do it. That's how I think it's going to happen. The kingdom in some form or fashion, I think, gets involved. That's where I think more so where you, if, you, if you see them get involved, that's where I think they lean towards going against Adam Cole versus going against MJF. I just think all signs point to Adam points to Adam Cole losing MJF following the next week. I said it last week. That's a unification match with Punk. That's your main event for All Out. All right, and Zach, who you got? I am thinking more along the lines of Jason, but slightly different. I do think that Cole turns on MJF, but MJF still retains and retains some of his babyface status. And Cole and the Kingdom, like Cole starts leading the Kingdom with Robin Strong, um, and uh, yeah, that's uh, that's where I'm at with it. But yeah, MJF retains. All right, everybody, those are your 2023. I like, I like that Adam Cole leads the Kingdom uh, spot. I, do, I like that a lot. The, the Kingdom are the wild card. They are the wild card. Uh, going into that, which is pretty strange. So that's going to do it for our predictions. You know, I was just thinking, like, with all the father-son shit that Christian Cage is a part of these days, he's now hanging out with a guy named Brian Cage. Why don't they kayfabe make Brian Cage Christian's son? Or like (laughs) his nephew or something. No. like his nephew. Stop. Stop. Let me book the territory. No, no, you are not. Not me, for this. Let you, me book the territory. No. What? Not for that one, you died. Mind your own business, Dad. You come make me. Is that Brian Cage talking to Christian Cage? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, birthdays this week. Punaki is 55. Vince McMahon is 78. Rocky Johnson, 79. Grand Metalik is 35. Crash Holly is 52. <laughs> Great Kali is 51. Crash Holly being a year older than Great Kali is funny to me for some reason. And Sergeant, Sla- Sergeant Slaughter is 75. 
everybody. We know there's a ton of podcasts to listen to, so we do appreciate you listening to our podcast. For Jenner Mahal. Check. For Murray the Murray Man Murray. Check. For Lucha Chris. Double check. For Patriot Pat. Double check. For Vice. Check. For Xander the Cat. Check. For Millie the Cat. Check. For Reba the Dog. For Edna the Baby. For check. Aaron the Wife. Double check. Uh, Double check. R.I.P. Bray Wyatt. R.I.P. Terry Funk. Triple check. What a bummer. Um, Black Lives Matter. Check. Support your local weed dealers. Check. Support your local restaurants. Check. And boo the heels. Ooh. Oh, I went bitch. way yeah. early. Oh, you man, forgot I, about us. I've never done that. Oh, for two beers, Zach Bowman, for Jason Cornelius Bell, I'm Bill Vagy, and everybody never ever forget to boo the heels. This motherfucker here. <laughs> <laughs>